today on Compassion Radio. Now, you and I went into villages where, as you said, people who have been Christians for 50 years or more, people that may have even been on the long march with Mao, discovered Jesus around that time and have gone all of that last part of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century with no Bible, but have been faithful followers, have never given up on Jesus. And we had the privilege, in the name of and on behalf of our Compassion Radio partners, to put Bibles in their hands. I can't describe my gratitude for being able to be part of that directly and being able to bless somebody and pray over them when they receive God's Word printed in their hands for the first time. Welcome to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Today, Bram connects with John Podiety, and John is president and CEO of Bibles for the World, an organization dedicated to getting God's Word to all people across the globe. This is Frank Montenegro, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. Here's Bram to kick off the first half of this eye-opening conversation. John Podiety is back with us today, and we've traveled together now extensively, and I'm proud to say that because the people at Bibles for the World have been extraordinary in their hospitality and letting us, as we would say, behind the curtain to see what God's doing in some of the toughest places on earth. John, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you, Bram. Great to be here with you today. It feels like just yesterday we were on airplanes and trains and automobiles working our way through the middle part of China. And I'm excited about that because this begins a series of programs we're going to do to describe what's really happening in Chinese culture and with the church. And where is the kingdom culture growing and developing in that massive nation? And for me, of course, it was my first real embedded experience with the Chinese church. And I just want you to be able to kind of guide us through this conversation a bit, because it was your invitation, John, that brought us there to China. And it was on behalf of all the Compassion Radio listeners and supporters that have backed the project to bring the gospel to China in new places, in new tribes, in new languages. John, what is it about this particular trip to China that was so important to you and to the ministry of Bibles for the World? Well, Bram, this trip came at a time right after the, uh, you know, as we've seen things tightening up in China. We've been working in there for a number of years. We knew going into this trip that there would be more restrictions, and we certainly felt them uh, as we were all through the months leading up to it, as we were trying to set it up, because there were less places that wanted to host us or welcome us than in the years previous. It's just part of the tightening of things that's happening under the current regime there in China that they really want to limit the Christians in China, their contact with the West or with outsiders. They talk about there being a move toward the sinicization of Chinese Christianity. And by that term, you mean making things more China-centric. Right. Making things that are in China more Chinese Mm -hmm. and have less influence from the West. So where in past trips, we've been invited to speak in day-long seminars in Bible colleges and Bible schools. This time, there wasn't any invitation like that, and we were really blessed to be able to even have some good interaction time with the believers in, in some of the churches there. Yeah, I noticed that things had gone from more formal in the past to less formal now, which makes it more flexible. Now, for example, we weren't even told much about what the itinerary would be once we hit the ground there, but we covered a lot of ground. And we covered all the important sites so that the people in authority would know that we were there to be tourists, which we were. 
and they know where we went because obviously our, our passports are being registered everywhere we stopped. So it's not like we were a hidden group. We're trying to smuggle our way through the country. It was simply a matter of being discreet and respectful. And everywhere you took us, we met with people who are officials, liaisons, I would say, between the church that's official or public and the local political government, because every aspect of Chinese culture has some kind of liaison between an official party member or committee and activities that happen in the public. So we got to meet them personally and not just formally. We actually sit down and have dinner with them and talk about what it's like to actually live this gospel life that they're having to monitor, which was a fascinating experience for me. Yes, it really is. Every trip to China has its own unique experiences, and this one certainly did uh, with some of the officials that we were able to meet. As you mentioned, we did make our way almost uh, across a good part of the country, probably two-thirds of the country during this trip. You know, that's one of the things you mentioned, you know, we're not smuggling our way across China. This has always been one of the principles of our organization has been that we want to go in where we can go in legally. Dad, you know, as a founder, he always used to say, this book is the book of the King of Kings. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it in through the front door, not through the back door. And so he always looked for opportunities to get the gospel into places that were hard to reach, but to do it in a legal way. And that's the, the amazing door that God has opened up to us, thereby to Compassion Radio Network and all the listeners to be part of a legal and effective way of distributing God's Word to the believers in China and also for evangelism in China. This is Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. More with Bram and his guest, John Podiety, coming up next. Hi, friends. This is Cher Nelson. I can't believe how fast this year has flown by, and here we are in the heart of our annual Bibles Project. I know many of you look forward to this every year, excited to make a major impact on the world through your year-end giving. And we have great news. Our dear friend, John Podiety, and the folks at Bibles for the World were so encouraged by your response last year that they have joyfully asked us to partner with them again. Their enthusiasm is a high compliment to your faithful action. Last year, you helped deliver thousands of new study Bibles and Gospels of John to churches across three regions of China. And friends, we need your help again. Won't you help our precious family receive a copy of God's Word this Christmas season? We want to be able to send as many Bibles as possible. Will you please partner with us in this very important endeavor? Your gift will help to place a Bible in the hands of a Christian on the other side of the world. People in desperate need of God's Word. May God richly bless you, and may you have a wonderful Christmas with your family and friends. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here's how to partner with us. For many years, we focus exclusively on China for our special year-end Christmas offering. And China is still a big emphasis for us, but the entire world is asking for Bibles now. Places where your giving will make a big difference in the future of the kingdom of God around the world. We're honored to partner again this year with John and Bibles for the World. As this program goes to air, I'm traveling with John in one of the countries that will receive Bibles that you supply, and I'll tell you all about that trip when I return. In the meantime, please give your most generous gift right now so we can send as many Bibles as possible this year. Thank you. Call us at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And to give right away wherever you are, just text the word BIBLES. To 53445 to give right through your phone. That's Bibles to 53445. 
If you'd like to mail your gift, our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Let's do our part for the Great Commission like we've never done before. Always on mission. This is Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Now, our listeners and our partners across the past 30 years have seen many different opportunities to bring the word to China through lots mm-hmm. of different kinds of channels. Now, there is some kind of intrepid, almost Indiana Jones kind of mentality about being able to go places without permission. And there's almost kind of an eagerness to go do the risky thing. We chose to work with you this past couple of years because of your ethic of how you treat the word and the people that are in authority and how you deal with the governments that you find in the times you find them. And when the door is open, you go through those doors. Now, this seems Mm -hmm. to be a time in the history of the church where it's going to become more and more difficult in many countries, especially China, to literally have clandestine smuggling operations. There's just too much of a surveillance state that's being implemented across much of the world. Mm -hmm. And we worry about that somewhat here in America because we feel like the government's snooping on us too much. And we have much more of a free and open society or at least an expectation of that. In China, the technology has been brought to force in every way imaginable. And I learned a couple of things about this, John. Mm-hmm. When you know that cameras are aimed at you in every corner of the country, I mean, I was off on the Great Wall of China in the middle of nowhere, looking off toward a valley where nobody even lives, and there was a camera looking down over my shoulder. So it's not like you can escape the surveillance state. So sense of your own agency, your own uh, individualism, your own freedom or freedom of speech or thought, there's always kind of tension or pressure there in places like China, even more so than here. At the same time, there seems to be kind of a relaxing in some ways of those who are legally able to go communicate ideas like Christianity. They realize that this is the world we live in, We can't change the communist officials in this country. But now that they know we know, we know each other, we can speak more freely than we have in decades. So literally speaking the gospel or proclaiming the word of Jesus Christ in situations where people might have been arrested on the spot back in the 1960s doesn't happen anymore. So there's pressure in some ways that are new. And there are relaxations in other ways that have always seemed to be persecution. So things are changing very fast. And I noticed that you and the people we travel with were negotiating all these new changes in novel and creative ways. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that a little bit. As we saw in some of these places, the biggest restriction that seems to be hampering traditional church ministry is the limitations the government has put upon the education of youth. 
Now, they literally are forbidding in the legal churches having anyone from the age of 2 to 18 to sit in Sunday school. And I learned it wasn't just so much about the oppression of the Christians, although it's a great inconvenience and really a hassle in a lot of ways. At the same time, they are cracking down on rampant surge of these cults, which are literally getting into human trafficking and stealing kids away from their towns. And it's an awful, awful problem in that part of the world. So the government is literally doing something we would say is absolutely required of an efficient and effective government, which is to stop evil. They have chosen to stop this particular evil by clamping down on everybody and making it very, very strict about how you can pull the young people away from the public sector. The church has adjusted to that by saying, well, if we can't have Sunday school in our churches because of this fear of the government, what can we do? And you and I saw lots of creative ways being done to actually reach out farther and be more evangelical than they've ever been by taking kids out of the church building and helping them to establish new places of outreach in their own communities closer to where they live. We saw childcare centers. We saw youth group rooms and a safe place to assemble and putting up coffee shops. All kinds of new things are happening now in the cities across China because of this new restriction. Yes, uh, Bram, those are some interesting observations. Just to back up a little, the way that China has advanced and is implementing the facial recognition technology is just staggering. We have a little taste of it here in the States with Facebook, which, of course, is banned in China. But when we see, you know, how you can tag people in photos and the software will recognize them perhaps from your friends list or something like that. But the level to which they're using it in China is just staggering. I have had some experiences with that entry into the country where, uh, yeah, I got to see it being implemented in some incredible ways going back many, many years on some people who were there trying to enter the country. They say that China has more than a million sensors and monitors, mm. you know, and which is like one for every, what, 1,300, 1,400 people yeah. that are monitoring the activities. You've got to believe this is true because the way they're picking up people who are attending church meetings and things like that and tracking them down and right to their homes and going in and arresting them. We hear reports of this coming from different parts of the country. During this trip, we were blessed to have some pretty strong, bold local church hosts and partners, pastors and church leaders who were, you know, as you said, just willing to move ahead and continue their efforts in building the body of Christ despite these uh, new restrictions and things like that that are going on. We just saw that they're being really creative. This just brought to mind that the uh, Chinese character in their language for crisis is actually a combination of two figures, symbols, which are danger and opportunity. Hmm. This is something I think we saw during this trip that while some are considering that the current clampdown is a crisis, there's certainly a lot of danger, others are stepping up and calling on the Lord to open up windows of opportunity yes, exactly. uh, for them. And we saw that in some of the people who are doing work with the youth, and we saw growth you know, in the number of preaching points in some of the places we visited, just astounding level of growth for, uh, for these people in these rural areas. And so that's very, very exciting for us to be able to come alongside them, provide them God's Word, 
image comes to mind of some of those women in those villages we visited that mm-hmm. been followers of Christ their whole lives and, and never had their own copy of God's Word. And what a joy that was to place a copy of God's Word in their hands. No greater privilege. Yeah, just to be able to provide them with also the tools necessary to share their faith with those in their village and in their neighborhoods. I probably need to explain to our listeners a bit about how the churches in the Three Self-Patriotic Church movement are organized. They have kind of like mm-hmm. a we would call them like a bishopric or an assembly. The Baptists have their conferences, and Methodists have their circuits and different kinds of zones. The church in China is organized in similar ways, whether they're registered or unregistered. They have some kind of internal organization, so you know how you fit in with the rest of the body that you're fellowshipping with. And these three self-patriotic churches are actually kind of like a seat, more like what the Catholics do with their cathedrals. But they also are serving a very large area. So the pastors mm-hmm. that, that function in the pulpit in these large cities that would have a 1,000 or 2,000 people assembling on Sunday mornings also travel around to minister directly to at least 100 or more preaching points, as they called it, which is kind of like small mm-hmm. home fellowships that are all around the region. We're talking hours of drive out from the main city. So they will visit these places and they'll end up having to preach well upwards of like 100 times a month just to get people up to speed with where their church at large is going with the scriptures. So they have face-to-face time. Even in this day of instant communication, and in China, the communication level was phenomenal within their country. Internationally, it's quite a bit different. They're quite a bit cut off from international information. But within their country, communication is like a snap. They could be doing Mm -hmm. these remote church sites and just pipe it in as if they were satellite congregations, but they know how important it is to be hands-on with their believers and their partners everywhere they go. So the pastor spent a lot of time on the road teaching and encouraging and training the elders, which are actually paid members of the staff, and the lay pastors, which are people that work in the towns where these fellowships exist and also preach on a regular basis. So they are nonstop doing seminary on the hoof, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's very correct that you have those in the provincial level and then the county level, the pastors and church leaders, and some of those guys are on the road constantly attending to the needs of the greater congregation, to the larger body of Christ that go into these remote villages. And while the communication is good, uh, you know, through cell phones and things like that, as you say, the face-to-face touch that they make with these people and really helps uh, encourage and inform them the latest developments that are happening, the latest opportunities, whether it be for fellowship or ministry within the church. These are very important parts of the work that these guys do. and, And we're just blessed to be able to connect with some of these guys who are just so on fire for the kingdom. Yeah. And just hearing the testimonies of some of these pastors and how God found them and why he put them in the established government-sanctioned church is just, they're fascinating stories. I'm looking forward to get some of those testimonies up to our audience here in the next few weeks. Now, let's Mm -hmm. wrap up about the subject of Bible placement, because that was the subject of our programs in the end of 2018 and beginning of 2019. And many, many of our Mm -hmm. partners contributed to Bibles for China. Now, we've been doing this for 30 years, and now these new territories are opening up in areas that are central and and western parts of China that have never been open to it before. And that's why you and I went back. You worked out the printing to happen within China and to be done legally. And we brought those materials to those churches directly. Now, I have to say that in spite of the openness or the legality of what we did, the need is still growing greater 
than the supply. And even they know that the number of Bibles that they're able or allowed to print is not going to keep pace with the growth of the church. So even in the tens of thousands of copies of Bibles that we brought to the churches and delivered, it still represents maybe a fraction of a percent of the need and the desire for a new Bible. Now, you and I went into villages where, as you said, people who have been Christians for 50 years or more, people that may have even been on the long march with Mao to form the modern China state, discovered Jesus around that time and have gone all of that last part of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century with no Bible but have been faithful followers, have never given up on Jesus. And we had the privilege, in the name of and on behalf of our Compassion Radio partners, to put Bibles in their hands that they now own. I can't describe my gratitude for being able to be part of that directly and being able to bless somebody and pray over them when they receive God's Word printed in their hands for the first time. Um, Tell me what you saw when you were there watching them receive their Bibles. Well, even as you shared that, the image came to mind of the one church that we visited in that fairly rural area. We were able to provide them a Bible for each one of the members there. You know, I think it was 120 Bibles. As we look back on the back shelf, there was the Bibles that they used, that they shared. There were three copies, Mm -hmm. and that's what they had before we got there. There were, you know perhaps 150 to 200 people meeting in that church on a Sunday, and they had three copies of God's Word to share and pass around. I just, you know, every time as we handed those out, the looks on their faces to know that they've got their own copy that they can take home, mm-hmm. they don't have to leave in the church, and that they can read and study on their own throughout the week. I mean, that's just such a blessing. It just, it just uh, you know, brings such joy to my heart, and I know it's God to bring joy to our Heavenly Father to know that His Word is going to be handled daily by these dear, dear Christians in China. One of the most important things you did, John, in handing out those Bibles was to make it a contract. At the same time they receive their own personal copy of the Word of God, they get a stack of the Gospel of John in a pamphlet form. It has a beautiful little pamphlet that has a sheep on the front of it and has a title in Chinese that says, God's Love Letter. And that little pamphlet is their evangelistic tool. In receiving the Word of God, they were also given a stack of those Gospels of John with the understanding that because they have received their own copy of the Word, they would in turn give out one by one to people that they know copies of this Gospel of John so they could begin to get hungry for the Word themselves. That's correct. We asked them to take at least 20 to 30 copies for every Bible that we give for their own use. They take 20 to 30 copies of the Gospel of John to share with their neighbors and with their friends very carefully, very diligently to be able to walk through that Gospel of John with them as their friends read it. Now, of course, your personal testimony of how you came to Christ and how your village, how your people, how your tribe came to Jesus all hinges on one act of the Bible coming to you in the form of the Gospel of John. You know, one of the things, Bram, during this current uh, tightening is that we are not allowed to do training, per se, as we have done before and as we do in other countries where we distribute God's Word. But we certainly do take the time to share what the Gospel of John means to us personally and, and how we see it can be such an uh, incredible resource for them as individuals and for the local body of Christ in their community. And that's one of the things that we really want to try to encourage them to just get deeper into that book and use that as a guideline, just as my own people did back in the early 1900s and how it caused an entire transformation of our people. All the Chinese language Bibles that the government has allowed to stay in China 
wouldn't even reach a quarter of that country's Christian population. So every year, there are quite a number of Bibles being printed, over a million copies, but it doesn't even match the growth, let alone the existing number of Christians that still don't have their Bibles, especially in in the remote rural areas, which is where we've been led by the Lord to focus on. In our generation, our responsibility is to go as far as we can. And I'm really thankful for our Compassion Radio partners who have given so generously and will continue to in the future, because I know that you and I will be doing many more of these kind of projects and opening the doors of opportunity for folks here in the United States to be part of what God's doing in places like China. We'll come back tomorrow with some more information on what's happening in China and other parts of the world that John's been to recently on our next program. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you, Bram. Always a pleasure. You're listening to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. If you missed anything today, well, you can listen again anytime. Just open up your browser on your computer or smartphone or even your tablet and go to CompassionRadio.com. Again, it's CompassionRadio.com. Now, if you liked what you heard, please consider supporting Compassion Radio. First, with your prayers. You know, when you pray for us, God increases the effectiveness of this ministry by empowering the Compassion Radio team for service and by opening doors of opportunity for us to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Now, second, would you please share this broadcast with a friend or a loved one? This is going to help us reach as many people as possible with the important work God is doing in the lives of those who live in a missional way. And really, that's all of us, you and I. Finally, please consider supporting this ministry financially. You can give a one-time gift, a semi-regular gift, or you can become a Compassion Radio Vision Team member. And that means a regular monthly gift for the amount of your choosing. You know, this ministry is 100% listener-supported, and that means it's your gifts that make it possible for us to continue. You can support Compassion Radio right now by calling 800-868-2478 or by visiting CompassionRadio.com. That's 800-868-2478 or CompassionRadio.com. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445. That's the word COMPASSION to 53445. Four four five, And of course, you can always mail your gift to Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen, spend a little time with us. And be sure to join us again for more Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. This program is sponsored by Compassion Ventures Incorporated and your generous financial support.